Leadership Show with Andy Peck. It's my joy to welcome you to the show that aims to raise your leadership game in the roles you have and the influence you enjoy. So often our perspective in life is shaped by our childhood years. If you had a church attending upbringing, then maybe like me, you attended a Sunday school at a separate time to the church service. Ours was just before. Everyone attended the church service, but it was clearly designed for adults. You took your colouring pens or a good book and tried to make the best of it. Well, fast forward several decades, and in some churches, we now have all age services, which aim to cater for all ages. And in some churches, will be once a month. It's fair to say that whereas many are keen to make them work, no one is really served, and both adults and children are rather glad when their normal service is resumed the week after. If all this sounds sadly too familiar, you'll be delighted to hear that I'm joined today by a couple who have been focused for many years on helping all ages to worship together in ways that do work. Nick and Becky Drake launched Worship for Everyone in 2010, which is, to quote their website, a movement to unite all ages in worship, writing songs for churches, homes and schools, and a new way of thinking about corporate worship. Nick is Associate Vicar at Gastric Church Birmingham, and Becky runs Worship for Everyone within Gastric Church Birmingham, and also wider afield, and they have four children. So, uh, Nick and Becky, welcome to the Leadership Show. Thank you, here. Andy. Yeah. Good, to, to, good to be with you. Uh, so your earliest memories of worship growing up, guys? Well, I, I think probably both of our experiences would have been quite different, actually, wouldn't they? Mine, I, I mean, I, I have to say, Andy, there is no polite way of putting it. My early experience of worship was just pretty dreadful mm. um, for, for the most part. So my parents were very strong Christians. Um, but where we were growing up, sadly, there just wasn't particularly a lively or dynamic church to go to. So they faithfully served in their very, very traditional Anglican church. But a bit as you described earlier, there was just nothing for children. So myself and my two big brothers, um, I would say, endured Sundays and um, with, as you'd said earlier, colouring books and and kind of just a lot of patience, I think. But there was nothing in it for us. And I think what, what felt worse for me, actually, is that I, I'm, I'm slightly marked by a few really negative experiences of church within that time. Um, not only was I bored, I just was bored, but also I came across members of our congregation that just weren't particularly warm and friendly towards children. So I, I remember one particular occasion where I was scolded for eating a biscuit because they were meant to be for the ladies, for example. <laughs> you know, and I was eight years old at the time. And, you know, why, why were the ladies able to eat the custard creams, but not me? So um, it was a really tough start. But um, I think the thing that saved me was that every year my parents took me to spring harvest. So I had this once a year experience of worship, which, which was just at the opposite end of the extreme. Um, and showed me that it could be spirit-filled. That's where I encountered the Holy Spirit for the first time. Um, and there were other children there, so it showed me that actually Jesus could be for children as well as adults. And I just loved being in the big top in the evenings at Spring Harvest and kind of just witnessing what was going on. It would be the days of Graham Kendrick. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I loved seeing other people around me worshipping God, and that probably got me through. Without it, I probably wouldn't be a Christian today. And you, Nick? Yeah, I mean, I I think it's interesting, this question, when when one looks back, especially if one's been brought up in church, um, 
there, there is formation. So things form you without realizing it as well. You soak things up as a child. So one of my earliest memories is seeing um, my mum next to me, you know, that she would always kneel in quiet before the service began. So we'd arrive a bit early and she'd, you know, there'd be this moment of, of prayer or preparation before it began. And so for me, that's one of my earliest memories. Um, and I think it's just because at the time you, you kind of just, you, you just watch it as a child, you know, you're just seeing something happen and you don't really know what it is or why they're doing it. But when you look back, you realize, oh, that, that was formational. So in a positive way, I think as a child, you could soak up um, by being in the place with adults and not being sent straight to a group, for example, you can soak up and be formed, even if it's not until later on in life, you, you can put words onto that experience and what happened. So for me, that was one of my earliest memories. And then again, like Becky combined with going to festivals or conferences where I guess I experienced different sides of worship where I felt I could come alive as well as I, as I grew older into a teenager. I think that was crucial. Can we get a bit of geography, guys? Um, where were you growing up, Becky? And, and so I grew up in Lincolnshire, which spiritually, just for many years, has been a bit of a desert, actually. Um, so yeah, sort of the farmlands. And Nick, you... I grew up on the opposite side. I grew up in the Wirral, uh, if people oh, right. know where that is. Yeah, just between Liverpool and Wales, little peninsula. Yeah. Great. So you, you launched uh, Worship for Everyone in 2010. Was that because you recognised that many churches were finding all age worship difficult? Yeah, I mean, it, it was really a natural organic thing in the church we were. So we were um, worship pastors in a church called St. Paul's in Hammersmith in London by now. And we had uh, quite a sizable congregation of adults, but also around 100 children on Sunday morning, probably, which is pretty big. And they would be in the main gathering for about the first 20 minutes every single Sunday. And so really we were faced with this challenge of, of a moment of all age every week of 20 minutes, but we, we didn't really know how to lead that well, how to, how to have songs that release truly worship for both adults and children. And so really we felt, we saw the felt need and we responded. That's where it began. You know, we just started, writing songs ourselves for that community for those moments songs that would um, release children's hearts to worship but also adults could engage with and so really that was the mm. the origin of what we now call worship for everyone which is this wider thing but it started quite simply seeing the need seeing what our gifts were and how we could meet that need and then really it was just a, an amazing thing to see slowly hey these songs can help other churches what we're learning, we can help share with other churches because everyone seems to struggle mm. with, with doing this well. And so really it just began quite organically, I think. Yeah. And did you have at that point a whole certain, like an hour as well, or was it just the 20 minutes at that point? Well, well, every week we had about 20 minutes where all the children were in. And then like many churches do, I think around once a month, we would do a full worship for everyone's service at that stage we weren't calling it a worship for everyone's service that's what it became and so we've kind of just as we've grown both in our songwriting and in this whole area of all-age worship I guess the vision has grown with us um, and as we began to see that these songs not only um, help the children worship but actually we could start to see adults in our midst engaging we started to think about 
how do we do that in, in the whole hour together as well? So that every element of the service isn't just geared at kids, but actually it is truly an all age experience. Um, and as we again, we began to share that with other churches, we realised, yeah, there is a real need out there for help in this area. So you run conferences on all age worship. What are the kind of things you, you, you say? Are there some kind of do's and don'ts that you might uh, list? Do you know, we start with vision, don't we, Nick? Maybe you should say something about that. And Nick's brilliant on all this, but I think that is the starting place. Yeah, we tend to do some um, teaching. So, and again, we've written this book now called Worship for Everyone. Um, and in that is two chapters right near the start on just biblical teaching, Old Testament, New Testament. What was the perspective of children and young people in scripture and the Old Testament? Where, when were they present? And then how did Jesus speak of children as a model of faith? Because one of the analogies I give, it's um, we do a lot of Lego at home. I don't know if anyone listening loves doing Lego as well, but with our kids, but also it's become an adult thing. So it's a great example, actually, of something shared. But one of the things that happens is you can often, one of our children won't be able to find the key piece they need to complete the model. And um, they'll call us in and I'll say, hey, why don't you just look away from all these pieces for a minute, look towards the wall, some, you know, look, get a different perspective and then look back. And I'm sure you'll see the piece has been there all along. And it's a bit like that with scripture. When you, when you kind of look away and look again at scripture, you realize that young people and children are, are all through scripture. They're present in the stories. And um, so that's one of our key teachings is just the presence of children and young people in some of the big festivals, some of the big prayer meetings that happen in the Old Testament. So we begin with that kind of yeah, teaching right. and then we go on to some practical stuff. Yeah, we do. And but everything flows from that place, because yeah. actually, when you realise a that there's a theological basis for being together and that was the norm, it's yeah. actually a little bit more unusual that we now separate. And um, so, so much in our worship. But then also we teach into the vision of worship for everyone being let's have exactly the same vision when children are in the room that we'd have if adults are present. And for most churches, that really is that we're here because we want to encounter God. We want to journey together. We want to be transformed mm. more into his likeness. And actually we want that for our children too. So once we've kind of established that we're all on that kind of same page, actually the practice of that will look slightly different in every location. I think a lot of churches start with, well, if I get the right song or if I do this or I get a puppet or something, that will work. Actually, no, let's begin with the goal of meeting Jesus. Now, that might then look different if you've got just three or four children, but loads of teenagers in your church. Or if actually you've got zero teenagers, but a lot of old people and a few little ones, preschoolers. Again, that might look different in its expression. Um, but then some of the really specific uh, teachings that we do around those practical areas would be how do you put a talk together that really does engage everyone so that theologically there's a takeaway no matter what age you are. Um, we might look at just how to construct a service and the key elements that might look a little bit different when you've got everyone in the room, when you're considering things like the concentration span of a, a small child or the fact that a little one can't read, but also perhaps how do you still make sure that those who are older and don't have children in their lives feel thoroughly part of the family of God. So we look at service structure and then we look at songs specifically and we do a lot of work with worship teams to help them think about the songs they're specifically singing when everyone's in the room together. Um, so there's lots of areas we look at. And you know the stats that 75% of Anglican churches have less than five under 16. So there'll be a lot of churches needing to establish something in order for people to come to it who currently aren't, I guess. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the stats are really shocking. And um, I think, for example, in Birmingham, before, obviously, the pandemic has unfortunately accelerated a lot of what was already happening. And so, for example, in Birmingham, I think it was something like 1,700 children um, were attending Church of England churches in 2019, just, just before the pandemic. And it's now gone to 300. Oh, wow. So that kind shocking. of drop is absolutely shocking. And so, and that that's happening, you know, across the board, the acceleration of decline in children um, and young people attending, uh, certainly Church of England stats, obviously the other churches. But so to be honest, it's a massive crisis mm. and an opportunity for all of us to pray and see God about how we can play our part. And the answers won't be the same in every area, in every context. And it's important to say, like, we haven't got all the answers, but I think all of us in the church praying and asking what can we do what part can we play and also i think the pandemic has shaken things up and we've got more opportunities to try things in our churches mm. and not say oh if we do this we're then stuck for the next 10 years doing this type of thing it's like no no, no let's just try it for, for a few months let's have six months trial of trying out this different way of trying to um, invite people in or reach people now, I understand there's a difference between multi-generational worship and intergenerational worship. Is that a distinction you're familiar with? Yeah, yeah, we would be. Um, and multi-generational actually is sometimes used um, probably wrongly uh, to when, when actually we're thinking intergenerational. So multi-generational would specifically be everyone is in the room, so you might have a range of ages together, um, but they're not actually interconnected. So they're present, they are there, but perhaps not relating to one another, not involved. Whereas once we get into intergenerational, this is about the relationships between one another. And I guess that's the distinction that we want in the family of God, that there is real relationship, there's real community. And because out of that, and this is where discipleship and worship come together here, you, you have discipleship happening if it's truly intergenerational. Um, and uh, so whether that's mentoring, so again, it's not all about the gathered mm -hmm. or the event on a Sunday, but it's, it's midweek, it's behind the scenes, you know, mentoring can happen between older folk and younger folk. I mean, there's even uh, another example from, from the world is um, there's a movement taking young uh, children's school into um, older people's homes mm -hmm. and seeing the fruit that comes when you mix those two extremes of generation together, how it brings life mm -hmm. to both. And I think that's a great example of, of what intergeneration is rather than just multi-generation will be they happen to be in the same building or something. That's right. And just to, just to come in on that, one thing we've been piloting at Gas Street Church is an amazing organisation called Truth Be Told, which is actually doing this. So we've just taken some of our families with toddlers, tiny children, into an old people's residential home here in Birmingham. Um, and the children, together with their parents, have been reading Bible stories to the older residents. And actually the life between that, I mean, they have, the older people come alive and actually there's a simplicity in the children's storytelling that seems sort of um, appropriate to the stage of, of, of some of the elderly residents as well. So there's a real connection and the joy that they get from being together is wonderful, but it's also missional because they're coming from our church and bringing some of Jesus into the home. So they're lovely little ways that we can find interconnections across generations outside of the church building as well. No, it's brilliant to hear, um, Becky. So just to ask you both a sort of more individual question connected to, to this whole area. Nick, you've studied charismatic worship at a doctoral level. 
uh, and I appreciate you, you won't be able to summarize your whole doctorate, but uh, what were your findings and was anything surprising to you as you did your work? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, it's super hard to, to distill down. I appreciate that. Level, but, um, I, I guess one thing that might be interesting for, for people listening is I really was exploring this notion of how we encounter God when we gather to worship and the importance of being able to put into words that experience that we we all share and we all know. Um, and so one of my passions is to try and find the right theological words to, to, to resource the church, to be able to talk about our experience of God together. And I guess one of the takeaways from it was um, framing things in, 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 in Trinitarian terms. So um, because a lot of churches that say they're charismatic, the danger we talk of the Holy Spirit a lot, we might not talk so much about saying being Christ-centered and Jesus at the center of everything, Jesus being glorified wherever the spirit is at work. Or we might not talk about the father's love and how he adopts us into his family and how that is what the son and the spirit are doing together in our worship. So that's just a little tidbit of information from me. But that was my pursuit was trying to find these kind of words, this kind of language in a Trinitarian, a full Christian perspective of how we encounter God in charismatic church worship. Well, well, maybe one day you'll be able to write write it in a simplified form for the for the rest of us. Who knows? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Becca, you used to work as a school chaplain at Blue Coat School. Um, yes. What were the particular trends in the young people you work with regarding connecting with God and church? We've talked about the the challenges of so many not connecting at all with church. Yeah. Do you know, it was the biggest honour being a school chaplain. It's truly missional work. I swear, I was there for three years, surrounded by 600 children. And although it was a church school, so faith-based, and I could totally talk Jesus, it was multi-faith. And there were actually very few Christians and many of no faith. So it's such an opportunity. And I had a pastoral role there as well as speaking in chapel services and leading their, their collective worship. So yes, I mean, I would say it. Certainly in terms of children connecting with God, my the trend would be, I think children are almost born with wonder, born curious <laughs> and born to worship. And so I feel like um, on that front, there was so much openness. I mean, the children of all faiths loved singing our songs, were open to spiritual teaching. Generally, I think are wired for kindness and care towards animals and creation and all of that. So I, I think as a chaplain, I felt, gosh, there's such an opportunity with these little lives um, before all the kind of harsh stuff of the world really, truly hits in. However, their connection to church is quite something else. And I think that is the, that's the big challenge that we're talking about, isn't it? But actually, that's why I'd say the role of chaplaincy in schools, but also the role of the local church in schools is just so critical for this time because actually there are huge opportunities for churches to go in lead assemblies there's an, a wide open door there teachers are crying out for it and these little lives are so open and, and I think particularly where God is communicated in such a loving and relevant and accessible and joyful way children need that and I think that's the other thing that for me as a chaplain pastorally I recognized that just as we we obviously recognize that every adult that we come across all our friends that don't know Jesus uh, have such a gap in their lives I think that's true for children those that are not raised in Christian homes they'd come in and talk to me pastorally about their friendship issues or their worries in the night and all I would think time and again is you just need Jesus mm. you need Jesus to help you stop feeling scared when it's dark at night or to get you through this difficult thing at home 
And obviously I had the ability at times to say, would you like me to pray for you? They always said yes. Um, and to be able to offer them that third voice, not just mum, dad and the teacher, but there's God with you all the time was so precious. So, you know, I would urge anyone listening who has access to local primary schools or the gifting to be able to go in and lead an assembly to really take that opportunity. That's how we're going to get to children and hopefully reverse some of these stats. Yeah, I would guess that school ministry is going to have to be the part of the front line for local churches at this point if, if we're going to recover the generation again. Absolutely. Yeah, so I mean, it's a huge opportunity for, uh, especially in the Church of England, because of the history with the links with church schools. It's a massive opportunity for um, vicars, clergy, and 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 volunteers to go into schools. Mm. And coming back to worship for everyone as well, I think what we've found such a joy is these songs that we're doing in our churches are getting picked up increasingly in schools, and so there's this link for children. Um, when they do come to church. So it's happened a little bit at Gastry that there are children from my old school that have come along to Gastry and there's a familiarity. They know these songs, they've sung them at school and then they can go home and in the car, they've said to their parents, can we listen to that song? And so again, slowly they're getting into the home as well. So that partnership is a really special one. As we close, just, uh, I suppose, just a question in terms of the detail of your, your church. If I was a child, part of the church, what would be my connection with worship what which services would i be at and for how long and how often what's the kind of thing you do yeah well um we have a range of things going on at gastric which is really fantastic to to be able to do so we have um we have one service where we have every single week um a time of worship for everyone or, or everyone together for the first again for the first kind of 20 25 minutes or so um we have uh, in our main venue, we have a big, big worship for everyone with, with a lot going on in it. The whole gathering, um, once every half term, so twice a term, we'll have those bigger ones happening. Um, and then we have lots of things outside of Sunday, because part of this is just breaking out of the, the Sunday mentality. Mm. And again, I think the pandemic's helped. And what Becky was saying, bringing down the barriers between church and home and school and where we think worship happens, you know. And so I think, again, we have um, Sunday like um, uh, summer clubs, kids clubs and various things for, for different intergenerational moments happen for people to volunteer into, to help run and lead and work together. And we have more informal gatherings of um, intergenerational. So is there anything else you would want to add? Well, there's lots going on. So much. Yeah. And midweek meetings for young people where they're really sort of encountering God in worship, pursuing the Holy Spirit. Um, yeah. And I mean, I think the other thing, the move that we've made recently is the minute a child's reached 11, they're just in with us and they, they will sometimes go out for some age appropriate teaching and prayer and community. But they're, they're very much in the body of what we're doing so that they're even if they don't always engage quite yet, they are absorbing the atmosphere. They're being discipled in worship. Um, so a range of things, but we're also on a journey, Andy, and there's more, isn't there? Nick? Yeah. So I'm excited in my new post here at Gas Street to just pursue more and more intergenerational links throughout the church. Brilliant. And um, talk, talk to us about the things that listeners can discover more about you. You've got, you mentioned a book and you've got uh, conferences as well. What would be the, the way they can uh, dovetail? Yeah, so... Um... So we have a, a website called worshipforeveryone.com, um, which just says what it is. So worshipforeveryone, all one word, uh, .com. And so out of that place, we've got um, lots of resources. We've got songs that people can use. They can download like lyric videos to use in their own context. If they haven't got a band or any musical ability, they can just play the video 
uh, and and just run it. Um, we've got a um, we've got a devotional journal that we brought out last year again to help um, quiet times or devotional life for all ages. So that's um, available. And then, as as you mentioned, we we put all our kind of teaching and what we've learned into a book last year. It's called Worship for Everyone: Unlocking the Transforming Power of All Age Worship. Um, so that's a great resource as well. But it's all on that one website, worshipforeveryone.com. Splendid stuff. Well, it's been terrific to chat with you. We've been I appreciate we've just skated across the surface of this key topic, but it hopefully will be an inspiration for those in leadership, particularly church leadership, to grapple with this again perhaps if they've struggled or they've lost vision for it and i'm sure your website and your book will uh, assist that journey yeah absolutely thank you, thank you for having us so uh, thank you so much it was super to chat with nick and becky drake worshipforeveryone.com is where you'll find more of their material of course wonder how your worship is in your church I wonder if you have times of all-age worship. I wonder if they need revamping or fresh vision. I was saddened to hear that the number of children in Anglican churches in Birmingham has plummeted so rapidly since COVID-19. If that's true where you are, well, take heart from Becky's experience that children and young people are hungry to connect with God, even though they don't know how. People with vision can turn things around because you can be sure that God is on your side and to keen to move with you and for you as you take steps to make changes. It was John Piper who once wrote, mission exists because worship doesn't. And so we long that children and young people might discover for themselves who God is and commit their lives to his cause. It's my joy to put together a leadership show each week. Uh, so do find the archive content on Premier Radio's website and on podcast platforms where maybe you're listening to this from. Do uh, email me, andy.peck at premier.org.uk if you have ideas of possible guests or topics that you think we could cover. I look forward to your company again either on radio or on podcast, very soon. Thanks for listening. The Leadership Show with Andy Peck. To get in touch, email andy.peck at premier.org.uk.